Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Everybody, welcome back to West by Pod, a podcast about WVU sports, the Big 12 Conference, and a little football talk in spring. I'm Joel Bracken at WV Stats Guy on Twitter. I'm joined as always by Jordan Pinto at Game Day Shorts. Jordan, welcome back to the pod. Um, I know we're talking football during March Madness, um, which is the greatest sporting event of the year, but um, how are you feeling about football after taking a, a few months to, to decompress and, and step away? Uh, yeah, I'm feeling refreshed. Um, you know, I think we were talking about it a little bit um, b- before we hopped on, but I, you know, I unplugged about as much as I ever have unplugged from from football following last season. Just needed to kind of, you know, uh, take the clothes off I was wearing, light them on fire, take a shower, um, take a couple deep breaths, and and just really, you know, uh, think about things. But I'm but I'm feeling refreshed now. I'm back in. Um, last week and a half since we really started talking about, Hey, you know, spring football's coming up. Should we do a pod? Um, it's felt good to dive back in. So I'm ready to, I'm ready to go. How about, uh, how about yourself? That's good to hear. Yeah, no, I think refresh is a good word. You know, stepping away is good. And I think more than ever too, with the portal era, and this is across all teams. Um, you know, sometimes like the roster can be in flux, like so much. Sometimes it's nice to just be like, Hey, I'm not going to care too much about the news for a few weeks or months and then we'll pick it up and you know see who we got so this is kind of both of our attempt at getting back in this talking a little bit spring ball what has changed in terms of like coaches players um and just sort of a a state of the program for right now absolutely yeah man We, we we let the dust settle the chips have fallen um at least where they are going to have fallen by the time spring ball starts so now it's time to uh to get ourselves primed up and Refamiliarize ourselves with the folks who are coming back, and and familiarize ourselves with the with the new faces, and and get ready to to see how this this thing's going to shake out over the next uh, what the next month and a half or so. Yeah, exactly. Almost time to start sowing those seeds that you know this is our year and everything is going to go swimmingly. So, 
the plan for this episode, depending on the length, it might be two episodes. It might be an offense and defensive one. Um, but really just kind of, like I said, talking about the state of things, the coaches that are coming back and the new ones that we have on staff. Uh, we're going to walk through sort of the offense and defensive depth charts, uh, answering some like big questions for both of the units. And then, you know, just sort of kind of a, a vibe check on, on how we're feeling about the different position groups. So with that being said, I think it makes sense to start with the offense. Um, you know, some refreshing, some things are staying. Um, I think the biggest thing that changed this offseason was Graham Harrell being out. Um, so Graham Harrell just one season in Morgantown. Offense was, you know, had its ups and its downs, 61st in beta rank for the season, 83rd in yards per play, 70th in points per play. Kind of in the middle when you're a Power 5 team, you expect to be a little higher than the middle in some of those metrics. Um, so Jordan, how do you think the uh, the less than 12 months that Graham Harrell spent in Morgantown will be remembered? Yeah, I mean, it was it was really up and down from from the first second, right? I mean, the the, the news came out in January that we'd hire him, hired him, hired him, and and everybody was was gassed up because it had been a lackluster uh, 2021. Stop me if you've heard this story before. Um, but yeah, I mean, the offense the offense is really good at times. Um, it was it was really bad at times. You know, Texas, Iowa State might as well have, have not even taken those guys out there. Uh, you know, really just in terms of the way the games uh, shook out. Um, I think, you know, best case scenario, um, it's it's remembered as the end of the beginning. You know, if this thing turns around at, at, in any way, shape or form, it's going to be because I think the uh, offensive identity switches from the pseudo air raid thing that we've been trying to do for the last four years and turns into uh, to more of maybe, you know, a power spread type of deal. So, um, you know, if that happens, if we can get get something rolling with one of the, the new quarterbacks, um I think, it, you know, maybe we remember it fondly as kind of like, yeah, that was our that was kind of the nail in the coffin with with what was and, and kind of made us uh, push toward what we are now. So, yeah, definitely like a little experimental year, I guess you would say, in terms of, you know, we tried some things. Obviously, we had the, the Jared Deggy situation for a couple of years, and then now you're like, we got his transfer quarterback. We have some weapons and, you know, the air raid had its moments, I think so many drives through the pit game you're like wow we can move the ball things are all right and you know as the season went along i don't know if you ever felt confident you knew what you were getting with the offense um obviously some bright spots but graham harrell is out um at offensive coordinator um you know it's worth mentioning that neil brown obviously is still going to be the head coach um who knows for how long um with the new athletic director ren baker um so you know in terms of the offense how involved is Neil Brown, you know, going to be in with the play calling and, and, you know, with sort of like the scheme, that's going to be something to be seen. Um, but yeah, so the, the new offensive coordinator is going to be Chad Scott. Um, and he's been promoted up from the running backs coach. And I don't know. I mean, I think the running backs, since he's been here, um, this will be his fifth season. The running back room has probably been the most consistent and the most productive um, you know, position group on the offense. What do you think about that, Jordan? I think that's definitely a fair statement. You just, you know, you look at who we've had over the last uh, last handful of years. Um, you know, Letty Brown, obviously a great, uh, you know, a great player for us for for a number of years. Um, last year, I think, you know, you can confidently say that that they were the most consistent, um, probably game to game, 
uh, position group that we had just in terms of, you know, one guy went, it didn't matter who we throw threw out there. It felt like, you know, to a, to a certain extent, they all produced, they were all, um, good in their own, uh, certain ways. Um, I don't know. So like, what do you, you know, I, I think it makes sense. Um, but if you, if you kind of step back, do you feel like, you know, a lot of our offensive hires kind of have a whiff of, we couldn't really get anybody, <laughs> Couldn't really get anybody else, you know, just based on how the previous four years have went. You know, nothing against Chad Scott. Like you said, he's done a great job as the running backs coach. But I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, maybe a whiff of that and maybe a whiff. I I wonder how much Neil Brown was involved in that decision as well. You know, keeping it in-house, keeping, you know, a guy who has been below him you know, keeping him and, you know, promoting him up to the coordinator position. But is this like Neil's chance to like take the reins back on the offense, you know, one last time I've heard varying things about who was really in control of the offense as the season progressed last season. Um, so yeah, I think for Chad Scott, like he's done a great job so far, nothing to knock the guy, you know, the big league back thing is, you know, what he kind of has been promoting and, Oh, it sells. He's done his job great. So, I, you know, I like the guy. He's been with um, – so I believe he has been with uh, Neil Brown in two different stints. So he was with them, like Detroit, Texas Tech, Kentucky, and then he was at North Carolina and Louisville for a few years in between uh, that Kentucky and then, you know, rejoins back at WVU. So I wonder if this is, you know, Neil's guy, he promotes him up, but Neil wants to keep, like, a strong thumb on the scale here on the offense. Um, you know, that's that's maybe my read on it a little bit. But um, I don't know. The offense obviously has to do something different than we've done in the last couple of years because uh, it has not been a productive unit since, like, Will Greer was the quarterback. So, um yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I know you said the scheme thing. Maybe we go to more like a power spread. I think I would be in favor of that. I think Chad Scott, you, you think you promote your running backs coach to offensive coordinator. You That tells me you're probably going to be a little more run heavy. Um, so maybe that's that's a hint looking ahead. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, we, we, we talked about the big questions going in. I think the biggest one has to be, you know, what is this offense? Who's calling the plays? Um and I, you know, I think you're probably spot on. The reason that Chad Scott gets promoted is is because Neil can can reassert a little bit of authority, um, from what I've heard, uh, you know. And obviously, this is secondhand, but secondhand from people directly in the building is that Neil is 100% calling the plays this year. And if that's the case, you know, you can't blame him, right? This is this is a do or die year. Um, you're coaching for your coaching for your job right now, and if you know. If I was going down with the ship, I'd, I'd want to be the one steering the wheel, basically. So, um, you know, if that's the case, I can't blame him. And yeah, and yeah, hopefully, I mean, you know, we're 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 obviously going to go through the uh, the pieces here on the on when we run through the, the the depth chart. But the pieces certainly seem like they would favor a a, a more run heavy group. I know we've we kind of said that maybe a little bit even in last year, but um, but yeah, no, I'm we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, I, I do think the pieces sort of favor that, but we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, just to round out sort of the coaching on the offensive side of the ball. So, um, you know, Sean Reagan's going to be returning as the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. This is his fifth year at WVU. Um, so some continuity there. Um, actually, I didn't look. Is Chad Scott still going to remain? I, he will remain the running backs coach. Running backs, yep. Um, so that'll be um, the same there. Um, as far as the receivers coach, um, we have Bilal uh, Marshall, 
is going to be coming in. So he came um, in January and uh, blanking on what school he came from. I think it was uh, was a VMI. Yeah, VMI. Um, so that'll be a, a new face for the offensive or for the the wide receivers. Um, other new face, which is definitely of note, is Blaine Stewart coming in as the assistant wide receiver coach um, from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's going to be coming in as the tight ends coach. Um, obviously a big name in Morgantown, Bill Stewart's son. Um, did you know much about him up in Pittsburgh? Uh, I mean, just be, because he was Bill's son, obviously, you know, uh, and, and being kind of as close or well, as plugged into, to the program as, as I've been, uh, for most of my life. Um, yeah, I knew he, I knew he was in Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know how big of a role he played, obviously, you know, what is, what is an assistant wide receivers coach, uh, really do. Um, but that's not a bad building to be in. Obviously I'm a Steelers fan, but I have a, a, you know, just a tremendous amount of respect for Mike Tomlin. So, um, being able to be in meetings, meeting rooms with that guy, um, for, for the last, what, two years, I think, uh, you know, it, it can't have been a bad experience. Um, and so, you know, I don't know what he'll bring to the table as a tight ends coach. Uh, but if he picked up anything from Tomlin, um, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm going to give him, give him every opportunity, you know? So, yeah, I think that's a good point. And I am not a Steelers fan, but I, I do have a lot of respect for Tomlin. He seems like the kind of guy you would want to play for and the kind of guy that, um, as a coach, you would want some things to rub off from. So, yep. um, yeah, that, that's going to be the, the new tight ends coach, Blaine Stewart. Um, the only other positional group uh, coach on the offense is Matt Moore on the offensive line once again. Um, and I don't know. I can never get a pulse on how people feel about Matt Moore because when the line plays well, I feel like people like him. And then, you know, especially through some of those building years, it was like Matt Moore has got to be, you know, he's Neil Brown's buddy. He's, you know, been protected too long. Um, I don't know that I have a strong take on Matt Moore, um, but he, he's, he's, when things go bad, his name comes up early, I feel like. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just because when the offensive line, I think, has been bad, it's been it's been really bad. Um, yeah. But in general, I mean, you have to look. You know, the first what two two three years, they they kept saying like, "Look, we need to get bodies in here. This is going to be a developmental kind of thing." Um, and then last year, you know, that we were certainly in the top half of the league in terms of offensive lines. I'd, I'd say we were probably one of the top three or four. Um, so, you know, we trusted the process. I feel like the process bore out. And, and the good thing um, is that, you know, we have a lot of those guys back this year. So now I, I think that generally he's done a pretty good job. Uh, I think that was one of the weakest position groups on the roster uh, when when they got to Morgantown. Um, and now it's, you know, arguably the strongest or one of the two strongest. So, you know, I think that says that says everything about him. I agree, and I do remember Neil saying something like that last year where that was, I would say, our weakest position group, yeah, like his first year or two, and, and really come to become like a strength. It's like, you know, yep. when you're in the gym and you have a deficiency and you train it a bunch, and then one day that's like, you know, what you're good at. So, um, you know, interesting to see that turn around. Obviously, Matt Moore is one of the guys who's been with Neil for a long time. So, you know, you look around this offensive coaching group, and a lot of these guys are, are Neil's guys, you know. Um, speaking of Moore you know, Reagan and Chad Scott, you know, we still have a heavy Neil Brown. There wasn't this, like we're cleaning everything and we're going to take one last shot at it. It's really like this thing we're built. Uh, we've been building, you know, we're going to go with what we've been building for this year. That's definitely going to, you know, inspire some, 
um, some change if things don't go well. So, um, you know, they're doubling down and, you know, we'll see what happens. And, you know, I think that's a, a good segue into, you know, what pieces do we have to make those things happen? Because you can scheme all you want, but um, everybody knows in, in most sports, you know, a lot of it's going to come down to your player's ability and uh, you're going to be limited by that. So I have a couple questions here about the offense. The first of which is of people coming back who played last year, who do you think uh, makes a leap? Um, you know, I think that in a perfect world, it's it's one of the receivers, right? It's probably either uh, Jeremiah Aaron or Cortez Braham, um, just because the, of the lack of depth in that room. Um, I don't know. I you know the other, I, and I guess this counts. Um, but Jalen Anderson, um, obviously down the stretch last year, kind of kind of uh, broke out a little bit. Um, we'll get into it. I think he's probably the, I mean, I think he plays running back at a higher level than anybody else on the roster. Um, and so we'll see, I guess we'll see if the coaches agree, but if he, you know, if he does become the feature back this year, maybe, uh, or one of the two feature backs this year alongside CJ, um, I can see him being, you know, kind of a household name in the big 12. Um, cause I think that he's, he's really, 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 really good at running back. Yeah, I think all would be uh, would be great responses. I think, yeah, like you saw some flashes from Aaron and Braham at the end of the season. Yeah, that's a position group. We we, I mean, you need somebody to step up. We lost a lot of dudes there, so the receiving room that would be really warranted. I'll throw you one more name, and it'd be Jaquay Hubbard um, there at the the tackle position. That would be great. Um, that was the one position I felt like on our line, the right tackle sort of struggled. Um, I know Jaquay played snaps here. I mean, he played like he shared the snaps, you know, he battled some injuries, but um, for him to really step up and, and firm up that right tackle, I think that could be big for the offense as well, especially to, you know, figuring out what kind of scheme we're going to be running. Um, okay. So um, next question here is the impact newcomer. So who was not on this roster um, that you think could come in and make some noise this year? So um, the name that I've been hearing, um, and this is from the the, the same kind of secondhand um, stories that 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 kind of you know said that that Neil's definitely calling the plays this year. Um, the name I've been hearing is is Cole Taylor, the the transfer from from LSU, the tight end. Um, I think the the phrasing that I heard is that he's you know maybe the best skill player in the building, um, which seems like pretty high praise on one hand, but then on the other hand, like. You know, I mean, we we don't have a ton of established playmakers, especially at the you know in the pass catching uh, positions. But um, yeah, I think that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna trust my trust my sources who who say he's been he's been lighting it up since he got on campus, and I'm gonna say Cole Taylor. Obviously, you know this, this offense needs something at tight end, um, <laughs> and we need anything at tight end, please, like anything. And so, you know, if he's if he's good and and consistent and stays on the field, God bless Michael Laughlin, who was good when he was on the field, but um, missed more games than he's played at probably. But I think if he's good, he has a chance to make a huge impact uh, year one. Yeah, I think that's a great option. And, um, you know, it's funny. We did hear a lot of buzz about an incoming tight end last year. So hopefully um, – the result is different than than the buzz because I feel like we heard similar buzz last year. But um, yeah, the tight end position, obviously, we need somebody to step up there. Um, for impact newcomer, 
you know, I kind of had two on my list and the first one would be Devin Carter. Um, so this guy coming from NC state, um, and this guy has a lot of experience. Um, so he has played, he had one catch in 2018 and then he had like 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously. So he had a catch in 2018. I assume that was the red shirt year because he only played one game. Actually, I don't know if that rule was even, I don't think that rule was even around back then yet, but nonetheless, 2019 through 2022, four seasons, he has had at least 25 catches. He hasn't gone over 31. So he's kind of just been stuck in that little range, uh, but he does have 10 career touchdowns. What I'm saying is this guy has like game experience at the power five level. So um, getting that kind of, you know, experience is actually, I think going to be important for this wide receiver room where you have just not a lot of guys who have caught any balls um, and basically nobody who's caught balls in the uh, golden blue. So that's one to keep an eye on. And then Ronnie Gallagher, um, I'm not sure at what level he's going to be contributing coming in as a freshman, um, but um, a lot of buzz around his recruiting and you know him him committing to West Virginia. So uh, I don't know what kind of role to expect with him, but it would be really encouraging to see a little bit of that spark. Um, I know it takes time, and especially with like Prather, remember you kind of started to see it towards the end of his first year, and then the second year he took a big leap. Um, we'll be missing that guy this year, but, um, hopefully we can see some sort of, you know, similar trajectory. Yeah. I, I think the thing that, that hurts him in my head and, and maybe it shouldn't because like this hasn't been a thing forever is, but yeah, he's been playing basketball this spring in high school. Right. And he's, mm-hmm. he's breaking records at LH and he's a fantastic basketball player and nobody should ever fault him for that, but he's not getting, he's not getting this spring, this spring. Right. Um, you know, I think when, you look at the questions about Gallagher, it's nothing related to his ability. Um, you know, it's it, he, he has incredible body control, incredible acceleration. The question about him being able to contribute right away is that he's 5'10", 5'11", and 160 pounds. And can he hold up playing against Texas, playing against Oklahoma, playing? And so, you know, that's where that's where I think missing the spring hurts him is because they'd have him eating 5,000 calories and lifting twice a day. Um, and, you know, probably putting on getting up to 175, 180 before the season, as opposed to, you know, he's going to be trying to learn the playbook over the summer. It's going to be hard enough to do that, let alone, you know, pack on 15, 20 pounds. Um, but the snaps are the snaps are available. I mean, Jesus, you know, like like we said, we um, you know, they're, they're, I think it's a good shout. Like, obviously, he's one of our most highly touted recruits we've had, especially in recent memory. Um, and the snaps are available. So he's as good of a shout as any, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, the impact newcomer is anybody on the receiving room. I feel like because, <laughs> yeah, right. there's just not a lot of going to catch the ball. Yeah. We have to throw it to somebody at least right. sometimes. Um, so that that's, yeah, that's definitely going to be the big question. Um, all right. So now walking through the offense, um, just Did kind of a say, little, I just want to say something before, before we get into the depth chart, you, you brought up an interesting point about the buzz about Palendi and all this stuff. That, you know, maybe it's been that I've been unplugged a little bit, but even over the last week and a half, don't you feel like we're much less rah-rah on social media than we were in the lead up to any of the other springs in Neil's time where it's like, dude, we've been, we've been loud as hell about, oh, this, this is the fastest group we've gotten or, oh, we're going to play more man or, oh, we're going to do this. Oh, we're going to do that. None of it has worked out. And I feel like this year they're just like shutting up, getting to work. Um, kind of maybe trying to fly under the radar a little bit 
Um, which is, you know, a bad thing because the reason that they're doing that is because of, of it not working out previously. But also it's like, okay, good. You get it. Like, just show us. None of us give a shit anymore about what you say in your press conferences because for four years you've been blowing smoke and we've bought it. And they, like, now it's time to just shut up and get to work and show us. And yeah. Like, I just have really appreciated that. Yeah, yeah, there are two realities to that. It's uh, behind closed doors, there's a quiet confidence, or behind closed doors, it's it's a shit show, <laughs> and we won't find out until September or maybe you know October. But yeah, I I have objectively been a little more plugged into basketball this last month or so. But uh, yeah, I, now that you mentioned it, I, I do notice that it hasn't been as turned it's kind up. Of been but, a little bit quiet. Yeah, it's been a little quiet. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> that is a, a good observation. So, okay, so now we're going to kind of do a little vibe check walking through the position groups. Um, so, you know, just sort of how you're feeling about the group and obviously the guys that we have in that position. So first is the quarterback room. Um, you know, there is definitely intrigue this year. You got Garrett Green. You have Nico Markiel, um, are our two returners. I don't think anything is decided of who is going to be starting. If anyone is going to be a clear cut favorite, if anyone is going to hold the starting job, you know, coming out of week one or two, whatever. Um, so, um, you know, my, my vibe check on the quarterback is I'm of the offense is I'm very excited to see. I don't know if, you know, what the, the floor, the ceiling is. Um, I think one question is, maybe short-term versus long-term is Garrett green five to 10% better this year, but like Nico ceiling is much higher. You know, do you, what decision-making goes into that, I guess is what I'm getting at. Like does the necessary best guy play? And I know that's a weird thing to say, but you know, the, the nature of college football now and the nature of college football also for the team like West Virginia is you, you ride like the, you know, the waves up and down. So do you start that wave up with Nico if it's there, or do you take what you can get with Green this year? That's just my assumption of, of how those two quarterbacks are going to be. Who knows? Green might take a massive step up in the offseason. We don't know. Um, so, so what are your, your vibes in the quarterback room right now? Yeah, I'm like I think I'm like that the you know the Leo meme from uh, from Django Unchained. Like it's like they have my attention, you know, like they have my curiosity and my attention at this point. Um, because I think, you know, we saw last year, like Garrett down the stretch, Garrett was electric. He was a shot in the arm. Um, legitimately, this is not biased to say he was one of the, I mean, he's an elite athlete at the quarterback position. He was one of the best runners in the entire country last year. Um, despite only playing what three and a half games. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, the, the short term, long term thing, um, Nico is probably the play there. Right. But I think that the thing that has me excited is that if Garrett is your fallback, that's that's like that's fine because Garrett gives you it's the same same kind of deal. Like Garrett gives you the identity, you know exactly what you are with him, and he's exciting as hell for as you know as crazy as he plays. Sometimes he's exciting as hell. Um, but I think that my favorite thing about both of these guys is they both you know the, the bring your own juice thing. Like they both have like a little bit of an it factor. We saw even last year when Nico came in when Garrett got hurt against Oklahoma. Was it Oklahoma State last game of the year? Like dude came in and made plays. Like he wasn't he wasn't throwing the ball all that well yet. Um, but but like made the plays that he needed to to get us that win. Um, and I think you know zooming out even a little bit further. You know I'm just glad we have somebody who can run the damn ball. Like both of these guys. You know Garrett's elite. Nico is above average as an athlete. Um, and so just the fact that we, they have that 
It puts the out-of-structure playmaking on the table. It puts the zone read uh, back on the table, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, as a modern college offense and trying to be a seriously good college offense, I just don't know how you can try and function without some sort of mobility at the quarterback position. So getting back to that is gives me warm feelings in my in my tummy. Totally agree. Though you failed to remember that the zone read has always been on the table. It's just the read part of it. It was always, <laughs> you know, we run the play. It's just the quarterback never keeps the ball. Right. Actually having the threat of keeping it does change the dynamic there. Yes. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm excited to see what shakes out. Um, both exciting dudes. Both, like, have the potential to be really electric. So Should um, be wide open, I think, this spring, right? I mean, just yeah. should be wide open. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting race to follow. Um, I, I really haven't heard anything either way. Um, yeah, so, it, you know, we'll just see. And that's something that I'm sure will evolve as the, the spring and summer go along. Um, so next position group is the running back room. Um, obviously very productive. That's probably why, um, you know, Chad Scott is where he is. And returning, you know, lots of lots of guys who put up numbers last year. How are you feeling about the running backs? Yeah, super high. I think, you know, now that, uh, that Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson are kind of, uh, they have moved on uh, from, the, so obviously Texas, if you're listening to the podcast, you know, those guys went to Texas, but uh, it kind of vacates that, uh, that crown, you know, the throne is available for, for top running back room in the conference. And, you know, the fact we, we bring all four guys back who played last year, all four of them played at a high level. I think two of them, um, you know, I, well, I'd say all four of them were above average. And then I think Jalen Anderson and, and CJ both are like actually special, uh, special talents at the running back position. But you bring back 350 carries, almost 1,800 yards, 18 touchdowns. And then you add Jaheim White, who, um, you know, high rated three star recruit. But I think most of the stuff that you read about him is that a lot of people thought he was underrated. Um, he can do a lot of things, um, but maybe underrated because he's, he's a little bit on the smaller side. Um, and then DJ Oliver, another kind of like mid three star guy, but a big guy. You know, I think I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a really good room. I think it's probably even better than last year when we were saying this is the deepest room we've had since Neil's been here. I think the the primary concern is just like are there are there enough touches for these guys, and and how do you prioritize the touches? So I don't know. What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, are there enough touches is a good problem to have when it's like, we got enough Absolutely. dudes, we, we want to get the ball. Um, and as we move into the receiver conversation, I think, you know, that conversation changes. So, um, you know, everything we talked about so far leans towards this is going to be a an offense that is going to want to utilize the, the legs. Quarterbacks who can run, multiple, multiple options of running backs who can run, and, you know, returning a lot of experience at the O-line. Um, I'm interested to see just mainly about the running backs – how CJ um, really just kind of how like his body develops over the, you know, the full season in the weight room recovering from an injury. But, you know, he was out there doing amazing stuff, you know, game one, really. And this was a kid like fresh out of high school. So interested yeah. to see, you know, the the typical, what, like 20 pounds of muscle they put on in the off season, how that changes his running style. I always felt like CJ didn't even have like moves. He just did the little like skip to the side, to, you know, miss the tackle and no one wanted to bring him down. So if you put some weight on him, um, I mean, no one is going to want to get in front of him and, and make a stop. Yeah, I don't even know how much weight you need to put on. You just but like changing the body composition, right? Where you know, it felt like he had a little bit of puppy fat last year. Not that he was mm-hmm. fat, but just like he very clearly hadn't been lifting weights in a college weight program for uh like an extended period of time. And so yeah, like getting the full off season um 
excited excited to see what he turns into, man. Because God, he was for what the first six seven games last year, he was a rip roaring good time. Um, yeah, sky's the limit, and I think also just the added durability. I mean, I think you could tell yeah, as the season went on. You know, he just you know wasn't wasn't ready for all the touches he was getting. So, well, um, yeah, guy goes from playing what like tight end, H back, uh, wide receiver uh, a lot of the time in high school to to getting twenty five carries in a power five football game. It's yeah, it takes its toll. So yeah, no, that's a that's a great point there. Definitely. So moving on to the offensive line, um, you know, I think this unit is is really good as well. Um, returning three really solid guys in Milam, Frazier, and Nestor. Um, so, you know, keeping, keeping a good bit of that core, you're going to have Hubbard out on the right tackle who, you know, got about half of the snaps last year, I believe. Um, and then Remax going to be your kind of newer addition at the left guard position, but he also got a decent number of snaps last year. Um, he is going to be a, he's going to be a sophomore, I believe. Um, so how are you feeling about the, uh, the O line this year? Yeah, very good. You know, like I said, kind of uh, in the in the Matt Moore section, you know, it's it's a strength of the team now. Um, so I think the vibes have to be high. I'm very confident um, in the three that you mentioned. I think, uh, yeah, Remac uh, Rimich, uh, I'm not sure um, how you pronounce his name, but yeah, he did. a. I mean, he started the last, what, three or four games of the season. Uh, James Gamitter ended up leaving the team um, sometime after the halfway point uh, last year. And he stepped in and, and didn't really miss a beat. You know, I think he put up like a like a 68.9 PFF grade on 440 snaps. So, I mean, that's a really solid number on a significant number of snaps. I think he does even better in year two. So I don't think you miss a beat there with him as a new starter. And then at some point, man, it has to click for one of these tackles. Like these guys have played a thousand plus snaps each, you know, the last two seasons. It feels like like they've it's kind of been a 50, 50 split with Hubbard and um, and um Yates. yeah yeah brandon yates um and they've shown flashes you know uh, but but it just hasn't all the way clicked for me yet like at some point it has to click so um i don't know yeah i think that you look at this you look at the running backs th- those are the strength of this team if this if this offense is good it's because the dudes up front are blocking the shit out of people and the dudes behind them are running the shit out of the ball so mm-hmm. um, yeah love it only slight concern, I think, would just be depth, and that's just because yeah. it's you know you got Yates and Malone, or maybe you're six seven, and then you got three fre- uh, redshirt freshmen after yeah. that. So you know, just as injuries and as the season progresses, how deep we are. But I like the top five, top five, top six. Um, I really like that. So yeah, hopefully this is a line that um, plays to the strengths of maybe you know we're going to be pounding the rock a little more this year. Um, so moving just to the end of the line, to the tight end position, um, you know, I I don't know what to say about our tight end position the last last year. Um, a lot of hype, and then you know we saw some flashes uh, from Davis, um, but you know I think this year just kind of you know not sure what we're getting exactly with with Davis, and then this addition in Cole Taylor, who has you know received a lot of off season acclaim. Um, I don't know if, you know, based on the style of this offense too, you want a guy, if you want a block first kind of tight end, um, or, you know, if we do need the help in the passing game, which is a a likely possibility, you know, how, you know, what's that split of what those responsibilities are going to be? It's something I'm going to be looking forward to. Yeah. And and how often can we use both of them together? Right. Like I think, you know, a big, a big part of the best offenses, you know, in terms of running the ball are the ones who, 
like you said, can, can have that split between the tight ends who can kind of contribute both ways. Um, you know, if we put 12 personnel out there and, and we have a back and we have two tight ends, like, can we throw the ball out of that? You know, I, you would hope we can run the ball with two tight ends on the field, but can we be effective passing the ball out of that? You know, I think the important thing to note here, I put the, I put the bullet in here is that, um, you know, Traylon Davis showed flashes. Um, Cole Taylor, like I said, uh, you know, my, my buddies uh, have heard that he's doing really well. But the jump up from Palende after Michael Laughlin went out, like Palende was literally graded out as the 300th worst out of 304 FBS tight ends last year who played 100 plus snaps. So, you know, going from that to even like average is is going to be a noticeable difference. You know, we were like you said, we were we were gassed up. We were gaslit about oh, Palende is one of the premier blocking tight ends in the at Colorado State. The guy, the guy sucked. I mean, the guy sucked. Let's let's be real. P- here. PR team was good though. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. I don't. Yeah, who, whoever he has running that, like clearly we fired that guy, or else he'd be out here blowing smoke about Cole Taylor as well. But um, yeah, I don't know. I. Uh, like you said, it's it's hard to say. Like we probably need both of these guys to be good for the best version of this offense to to kind of really come to fruition. Um, I think Traylon Davis is on a nice trajectory. You know, he kind of reminds me. Wait, wait, he's a sophomore, right? I, let me. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, redshirt sophomore. So I, I feel like he's about where O'Laughlin was, where, you know, he was like a wide receiver coming out of high school who we asked to gain, like, hey, gain gain 50 pounds and play tight end. Um, and he's he kind of did okay towards the end of the year last year. And then if Cole Taylor's good, then, you know, I think it's it's better than it was at the end of last year when Palende was playing. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it, to be honest, is that no matter what, it's probably an upgrade. Um, yeah, don't know how much of an, like, don't know, you know, what the, the ceiling of this position is, but I think we're going to be having at least some, somebody's going to be contributing, which is, um, you know, hopefully going to help this offense. Like I said, I'm interested to see what the run pass split is of the offense and then of the usage in the tight end. Um, and yeah, if you could throw two tight ends out there and we just run the ball down your throat, like sign me up, I'm in for that. Oh. Um, <clears throat> just go, go, uh, Jalen Anderson, CJ Donaldson in the backfield, two tight end set, and we're just going to run it. And you know we're going to run it, and we're still going to pick up like five or six yards. That's that's the offense I'm envisioning, um, which is a beautiful segue to the receiving room, um, <laughs> which I love. In the notes, you put uh, chuckles nervously, which is uh, the, the I'm in danger meme right here because uh, I, I'll just give you a recap of the guys who will not be returning um, to the receiving room. So first we have Bryce Ford Wheaton, 105 targets. We have Caden Prather, 82 targets. We have Sam James, 77 targets. And you got Reese Smith, 31 targets. Those guys are gone. The next guy up is Cortez Bram, 20 targets last year. You got Jeremiah Aaron, 18 targets. And then Palendi with 12 targets. He's gone. Uh, the next one is CJ Donaldson with 11. So you have two. Oh, and Donaldson's obviously a running back. You have two guys on this roster who have caught more than 10 or get, been targeted more than 10 times um, in the, the Golden Blue. So, um, man, it's just, you know, we mentioned Ronnie Gallagher. We mentioned Devin Carter. Um, you know, some guys are coming in. You got Preston Fox in there. Um, but. You know, you're looking down this roster and you're like, there's not a lot of names that, no knock on these guys, there's just not a lot of names that you uh, hear called on Saturday just because <laughs> all the guys who were are not here anymore. 
Yeah, it's 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 bleak. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's bleak out there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's why I said, you know, like if, if this offense is going to be anything like one of Aaron or Braham or, you know, God willing, both of those guys kind of have to take a big step forward this year. Um, just because, you know, I mean, you can run the ball like you can run the ball as well as you want. If there's nine guys in the box, it's going to be really tough sledding. Um, so we need, we need some of these guys. I know Devin Carter, you know, he's, you mentioned, you know, that he really hadn't had what North of 30 catches, but, but one time, but he's a, he's a big body. He's a deep threat. You know, I think if you look at his average receptions, they were all like 17, 18 range, um, in terms of yards per catch over the years. So he's hopefully a guy that we can put out there and, and, uh, at least make defenses, uh, respect him on the outside. Um, yeah, Gallagher in the slot. Hopefully, Aaron in the slot does some stuff. Um, I know we brought in Jashan Polk from, uh, uh, or Jashan Pokey. I don't know. You know, uh, I guess we'll we'll learn about that um, from from Kent State. But he's more of a return specialist. You know, he's a guy. Maybe we get him the t- some touches out of the slot, but he's more of a return guy. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, you know, I'm looking at this and and I'm thinking to myself, you know, if if Garrett Green doesn't win the quarterback job, like he probably needs some touches at wide receiver. And then yeah. a, a guy like Jaheim White, who um, is an outstanding receiver, despite being you know about five eight or five nine, um, the the running back out of high school. When you look at the the folks in front of him in the running back room, like is this somewhere where he could maybe maybe find some playing time? So I don't know. I think we're all options are on the table here. We're going to be looking. Whoever wants to come catch passes is going to be allowed to have a shot to catch passes. I think. Yeah, and I love the Garrett Green call out. Um, that is definitely something. I had on my mind too was that you know if Garrett Green is losing the quarterback position and losing it to a guy who is you know younger than he is, if that's something that's evident early, um, I just think he would be a fantastic slot receiver. Um, he's got like the the build for it. He's definitely got the the shiftiness and the speed in open Explosive, space. Yeah. It'd yep. be a kind of guy you know you just hit him on the slant a few times a game. Um, probably cook up some bubble screens or something for him. And he's just a guy you want having the ball in his hands. And if, if, um, Nico wins a starting job, I want to see Garrett green on the field somehow and not in like the cheesy ways we did with him and Deggy that were just like predictable and like, whatever, like I, I want him to be like a part of the offense in some way. So I think that could, that could definitely, you know, add to the explosiveness of the offense. For sure. The guy need the guy needs if he's not going to play quarterback, he still needs five to seven touches a game uh, and needs to be and needs 25 to 30, you know, 20 to 30 snaps like he's I mean, he was the most explosive player on the team last year. He's somebody that the defenses have to account for. You have to play this guy like I mean, you have to play this guy. He, he's electric with the ball in his hands. You have to play the guy even if he's not playing a quarterback. Yeah, no, I totally agree. All right, so that is the uh, the offensive vibe. So, like as a whole, how do you feel about the offense? I, I would say, you know, it's funny because I, in my head, what sticks out is we're losing all of these receivers, and we're losing JT Daniels. Um, and you'd be like, ah, oh, well, that's a lot of pieces, whatever. Uh, but when we really broke it down, quarterbacks, I think probably medium to high on that. Running backs better than should be better than last year. O line should be as good, if not better, than last year. Tight end, it can't get worse than last year. Receiving room is going to be down, but like pretty much other, every other group, we're feeling feeling all right about. Um, and obviously, we got a fantastic play caller, Neil Brown. So, like, what could go wrong with this group? Yeah, you know, I I, I think that this has been a productive exercise for me, just because 
you, like diving back into it, I feel I feel better than I thought I would, and I'm mm. I'm as big of a homer as there exists. Just you know, for for West Virginia football, um, but I feel better than I thought I would. I, I think losing the pieces that we lost are going to kind of force this transition to an offense that we probably should have been leaning into all along. Um, like it's going to be really hard to lean away from you know, what we were like the last three games of the season, kind of what we were. Um, that's, that's the kind of offense that I see us having success with. And just, you know, as a coach, sometimes you need to lean into your strengths. Um, Joel, you know, Neil Brown, uh, Sun Tzu Brown told us that at week 11 of year four last year that, you know, sometimes you got to play to your strengths guys. And the strengths of this team are running quarterbacks, running backs, offensive line. And so, you know, I think that, that when you look at it like that, um, I feel way better about it than I thought I would. You know, if we lean into that identity, um, if everybody stays healthy, I think that this can be, we can be a pain in the ass to play. You know, we can be a pain in the ass for teams to play. Yeah, and just the, uh, you said that the identity, just like having one would be cool. Just knowing, <laughs> knowing, knowing that, you know, a team is going to, I don't even care if it's as much as like being predictable. It's like, if you're good at it, you force a team to stop it. Like you knew WV was going to press. Like that's something you have to deal with. You know that some teams are going to run the triple option. You know, some teams are going to run, you know, five out spread all the game. Like just have the identity and something that you feel confident and you're going to stick with. Um, Cause yeah, a lot of these coaches are coaching for their job. Um, at least at WVU. Yep. Um, all right. So that, that wraps up our conversation on the offense. We are going to split into two episodes. So the next one coming will be the, uh, the conversation with the defense. Um, so you can find us on smokingmusket.com. You can also find us on Twitter at WV stats guy and at game day shorts. Um, there's also a Twitter account for the pod. It's at West by pod with underscores in between. Um, And as always, we uh, appreciate you listening and uh, hit us up. Catch you next time. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.